What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Run Your Mouth Podcast. How's that for an abrupt introduction? We're getting right into it. I got a really long episode. I don't even have that much time. I got to get into the city. I got spots tonight at uh, Brooklyn Comedy Club. If you're in New York City watching this live, come hang out. Trying to work on my materials. Trying to come up with a single joke that's not about penises for uh, for the show form. Sometimes you agree to a gig, and then you're like, why am I going to be at it before an academic ad- debate telling dick jokes? And then you're like, well, I have things that aren't dick jokes. And then you look at all the material you're working on. And you're like, nope, that's a dick joke. That's a dick joke. That's another dick joke. Uh, so anyways, you know, I haven't gone live the last couple of days. And now I've like I've, my, my, my apartment's just stacked with fucking newspapers and clippings. And I got lines going to this thing and that thing and saying how this one's important. And now I'm crushed for time. I want to go. Uh, I want to go earlier in the day. But then someone sent me uh, the video of what was going on in Shanghai. And I don't know the accuracy of that stuff of everyone screaming in their apartments. Maybe it's more similar to what was going on here when people were ringing the bells. People are doing them protests. It's the fucking creepiest thing I've ever seen in my life. That shit fucked me up. I was like, I got to I got to decompress from that one. Uh, And then it was just making me thinking about, you know, repenting to the Lord because there's so much evil in the universe who wants that shit coming for you. And then I started thinking about how, man, I got to get away from people. Because who, who wants to, I don't even want to be near buildings anymore. I don't want to be near buildings. I don't want to be near governments. I don't want to be near anything because if things go wrong, it's not cool. And then, so I go to the gym and uh, first room I go into, you know, there's some older guy standing there. I walk up, hey, what's up? And then I, I that must have been the first thing that anyone said into him in the last 45 years that he just took that as an invitation to just make the most conversation with me. Either that or I look like some loved one from his past where he was like, I have to have sex with this. I want to be on, like, dude, I'm all for doing you, putting your wiener where you want to put it. Gay people should have the freedom to, 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 to be gay. But there are some unintended consequences, which is that I can't be friendly to random individuals. I mean, random men. Random men, if they're too nice, I have to assume that they're looking to fuck me because I'm never that nice to other men. I'm not. I'm that nice to women because I'm trying to have sex with them. It's a red flag when a dude at the gym is starting to just being all friendly with you. So first room I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm like, all right, well, this room's been ruined by this guy. And so then I get into the sauna because uh, I figured, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't have to explain all my gym habits. That's what you do when you really don't want to work out. You're just like, I'll just sit in the sauna. I'll sweat. I'll pretend like I did something. And there's a dude sitting in the sauna and he's rubbing his wet feet. He's just rubbing his wet feet. It sounds like he's almost jerking off his foot. It's just slimy, wet noise. And <laughs> it's like that it's like that and then at the same time he's like chanting and i don't know how long that guy's been in the sauna for he was naked too it looked like he was either coming down from heroin or that he was looking to kill himself and then i'm looking at the other dudes in the sauna like is someone going to check in on this guy you know what it's annoying when you're like i'm not is this guy trying to kill himself in front of me am i supposed to say something should I be like, bro, are you all right? Or do I not need to point out the fact? Like, he probably already knows that he's being pretty weird. I don't think he needs other people pointing out that he's being super fucking weird. So you don't want to make the guy feel worse about being weird. Free country. You want to be weird in a sauna? You can be as weird as you want in a sauna. Just don't make other people think that maybe you're, like, killing yourself. Or, hey, it got so weird. I was like, I got to get out of here. I was like, I got to get out of the sauna. I really don't want to be here watching some guy kill himself in a sauna. So then I get in the pool, and I'm trying to swim some laps. And then there's these fat kids. And they're playing this game where they're standing on each other's backs with the thin kid on the bottom of the pool. And then the two fat kids standing. And I'm like, I'm about to watch some kid die in the pool. (laughs) And then I'm like, where the fuck's his parents? And I'm like, I'm not going to be the one yelling at kids in a pool. I'm not going to be the adult yelling at kids that aren't my kids. That's when I I need money because I need to get away from people. 
So I don't know. Maybe this show is going behind a paywall because that's it. I want away from civilization. I want to be out in the middle of fucking nowhere with a little river that I can just look at that river and go, look at how much water will be here if the world ends until the world ends. And then either someone shuts off your river access and you didn't even realize that they could do that. You're like, wait a second, you had a dam up the road? I thought I had a perfectly good river here. Or that it turns out you did have a perfectly good river, but then other people were looking for water and then you just end up dead anyways. But I'm, I got I got thoughts flowing through my head today. I was I was like, you know what? I don't have enough time to podcast. Maybe I'll just go to the city. And then I was like, nope, I'm, I'm putting it out there. You got river access? If you're out there, if you're a fan of the show with river access, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. I will buy a share in your river accessed area that's out in the middle of nowhere. As long as it's just you, you and me can be friends and then no one, no one else. I'll just broadcast. I'll be done with, we'll, we'll visit cities occasionally to do stand up. And other than that, I don't want to be near any buildings. I don't want to be near any communist Chinese parties or Chinese parties influence or communists. And I, I just want to be away from people altogether. That's, that's, uh, and that's our show. No, 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 I got more show. Not only do I have more show. Oh, firstly, I'd like to congratulate the Robbie the Fire YouTube channel for getting its first YouTube strike. That's uh that's a mark in a channel's life. When you finally grow a ch- uh, channel from fresh, you got 300 whole people who are there watching you live, and then you get your first strike, and that's how you know that you're doing authentic things on your YouTube channel. Uh, with that being said, for everyone listening, please go subscribe to the uh, podcast, Run Your Mouth Podcast. Go get the podcast version. I put up the full videos on Spotify most of the time, so you can get them there. Uh, or you can go to Odyssey. You can go to Rumble. I'm going to have to find more places for this, particularly on this episode. This would be a good episode to go to the podcast version because there's going to be a whole second half that will not be available on YouTube. Why won't it be available on YouTube? Because I usually don't film things in advance. I usually just go live so I don't have to do post-production because I don't have the time or resources to be doing post-production. But I did an entire interview with a fascinating individual, a man who was uh, abandoned by the CIA, ended up in prisons in both Libya and Thailand, doesn't claim to have any affiliation with the CIA, has an incredible mustache, an incredible life story, a YouTube channel where he uh, really does have a pretty good knowledge of the history of invasions, countries, all the stuff that I know nothing about because when I was in school, I just stared out the windows. Uh, so make sure to download the podcast, rate, review, subscribe, do all those things. Don't even listen. I don't care if you like the YouTube version and you don't want to ever listen to the podcast version. I respect that. But rate, review, and subscribe, and then I'll think more people are listening to this. I'll think I'm more important than I am. And then you can have a laugh out of the fact when I start renting like theaters that I can't possibly fill because I think there's all sorts of people listening to podcasts, but really people are just subscribing in both locations. Just go, go rate, subscribe, you know, do that. And then you can listen to this exclusive interview with the guy with an incredible mustache who was not actually in the CIA, um, but ended up uh, abandoned in a Libyan jail. All right. So here I got a bunch of topics for today. We've already rambled quite a bit. I'm against the clock on on time. Uh, so cue the news drop producer, you know, let, we're going to intro all the topics that we're doing. So, you know, cue that fancy news drop that makes this bit funny. So the first is, uh, bird people have been released back into the wild in Michigan. The governor has removed all beater bird feeders from her house to try and restore safety to her property. We're going to be talking about the bird people. Then you got the handsome man who escaped to Switzerland claims to have gigabytes of pictures of Hunter Biden. I'd like to know, do any ugly people have information on the case? And why is he holding back this information? Why, why is there always like, hey, I've got this information, but I can't give you this information yet? 
Next is Jill Biden's being protected by fake agents. What happens to the real ones? And why would someone pay fake agents to do the work of the real ones? That was a weird news story. That was a real one. That's a real news topic. Uh, and then more topics for today. Uh, why lawyers are suggesting that rioters dress like bellhops. That's a good one. Uh, then we also have a recent White House whistleblower describes what it's like living inside of La La Land. Our experts dis dis debate who was more delusional, Trump or Biden. Man, we've got a lot on the docket today. Two more. Why government officials want to seize your kids and swap their genders. Oh, that's a juicy one. That one, there's a lot of meat on that bone. And I wish it wasn't true. Uh, you're going to find out. I mean, usually I say all sorts of things that aren't factual. You're going to find out that one's pretty factual. And then lastly, if Florida goes to war with Georgia, will Disney stay neutral? And will Ron DeSantis feed bath salts to spring breakers and evade Georgia with an army of topless spring breakers and alligators? Why PETA thinks alligators should be left out of the conflict. So if you don't think that this isn't the most exciting Sunday broadcast, the Run Your Mouth podcast, you're crazy. We're going to be talking about kids swapping genders, alligators on bath salts. I got a dude who never worked for the U.S. government but ended up in jails and has a perfect idea of everything that's going on in the world coming off in the second half. And uh, it's all brought to you by sheathunderwear.com because if you use promo code RYM, you get 20% off. And then you can pace around in tight quarters without your wiener flapping all over the place because it's got its own slot. So use promo code RYM and get 20% off. All right, let's get into some of these actual news topics here. First one being, this is from Daily Mail exclusive. Whistleblower who handles Hunter's abandoned laptop to congressman and dailymail.com reveals he has 450 gigabytes of deleted material, including 80,000 images and videos. And he's fled to Switzerland, feeling retaliation from the White House. I'm kind of calling bullshit on this one. The fact that this is such bullshit makes me think the whole hundred. They're like, where's all you guys have been telling us forever that there's kitty like just fucking release the shit already. What are you guys waiting for? What is this grand moment? And you really took 80,000 pictures of himself. 80, I, I've been like recording my comedy sets for, for years. There's, I don't have 450 gigabytes of footage and that's hour long sets that I record. Like that doesn't, how do you have 450 gigabytes of other material? It just sounds like a little bit too fantastic of a number that I'm like, and then just like, just, just put it out. If you got it, just put it out. Now this one's actually a good news story. Uh, questionably. It's, it might be a good news story. So you got one guy, one of the first trials due to pled not guilty in uh, the January 6th incident. He got left off the hook. Why? Uh, I mean, he got let off. He's not going to jail. The reason being there was footage of a police officer opening up the door for this guy. And based off of that, the lawyer basically said, hey, it's reasonable to assume this guy didn't know it was illegal because this cop just don't now. Why do the cop? Because so many people had stormed the building at that point. They realized that they couldn't control the thing. And this is all going off of what I read in the headline. So I'm pretty sure I have this accurate. I mean, it literally says in the uh, in, uh, charges after arguing that officer opened door to Rotunda and let them in. So the good news is there are a lot of people on January 6th, the ones that were in the front lines that were violent, most likely working in the FBI. Those people should be going to jail. Those people, you know, I don't know how long they should be going to jail for. I don't know that Donald Trump should be off the hook for working them all up into a frenzy. But at the end of the day, you had a lot of people that were like, oh, look, everyone's walking into the building. This is my opportunity to look at some of the fancy paintings. I once got the hookup. I once got to get a tour of that building. There's some fancy ass paintings in there that taxpayers paid for. You know, usually got to wait on a line. Sometimes you got to get just scooped up by the uh, the angel himself, Thomas Massey, going, oh, this is bullshit. You couldn't get in there. I'll give you a nice little tour. Uh, so anyways, first guy gets off. That's probably pretty promising to other people who are going to be facing court cases. Now, obviously, the fact that you have to go through the entire thing 
of having the trial, being fired from your job, trying to get your job back, everyone going, oh my God, these people are domestic terrorists. They were walking around outside a building on, on January 6th. Oh my God, the worst day since 9-11. Oh my Lord. So, I mean, you don't get your time back and the FBI doesn't get in trouble for, you know, using taxpayer resources to spend hours going through Facebook to get people who uh, apparently did nothing illegal. Why didn't you just go to a judge first? You know, you could have gone to the judge first and gone, hey, all these people that just walked in, not forcibly, should we be rounding them up? And of course, Merrick Garland's going, we're going to get everyone, even if they didn't walk into the building, anyone involved in the day. Wouldn't you make a determination first by the judge? Was there any illegal activity or are we just going to be wasting our time? And it's like, yeah, let's just make them miserable. Let's make them miserable. Let's get on the news. Let's say that what they did was the worst thing ever. And uh, they did the exact same thing with the bird people out in Michigan that I was telling you guys about. So we go back down the Run Your Mouth archive. I believe there's a clip about it. And I basically said, you, you get down to it, you get these FBI agents, and they're all cool, good-looking alpha dudes. And then they find these fucking losers out in the middle of nowhere. And then they go, hey, listen, my life's great because I'm so handsome and things are going well in my life. So let's go do this thing. And then the fucking losers go, all right, we'll follow you. Let's go do that thing. And then they turn around and, they, and the guy who had the idea was that ah, I'm just kidding. It's like bullying in school. It's ah, I got you. That was never really a good idea. Now you're going to have to go to jail because I actually work for the FBI, you fucking losers. So in this case, I'm going to read the quote. I don't know where which article this is from. You guys can go find it on your own time. The government's case was built largely on secret recording of the men's conversation. In closing arguments, prosecutors said the defendant's own words show they were rage-filled extremists who hoped to spark a kind of civil war that could keep Biden from becoming president. So that was from, uh, uh, I spaced out while I was reading that. I got to be honest. I read it I, and I had something to say about it. But then while I was reading about it, I was thinking about the fact that I'm out of breath. And I'm like, why am I out of breath? Just calm down. It's your podcast. You don't you don't have to yell all the time. You don't have to pace all the time. All right, let's reread this. Calm down and apply a little bit more focus to what we're doing. Actually, before I, you know, I see I see there's some comments coming through. Uh, uh oh, it's telling me that they're having problems streaming. That's not good. I'm gonna have to remove Odyssey from the stream. That sucks. All right, we're gonna have to figure that out another time. All right, Heather Rivera is a dick joke enthusiast. I appreciate your dedication to hard work. Thank you, Heather. I appreciate your support for uh for the jokes I will be telling. Uh, Saint Michael. Whoa, evening RYM. That's right. We're we're running our mouths right now, and then he got stinky coming through a travesty. I don't know what that was in regards to. All right, let's reset here, everybody. I took acting classes before. Take a moment. The government's case was built largely on secret recordings of the men's conversation. In closing arguments, prosecutors said the defendant's own words show they were rage-filled extremists who hoped to spark a kind of civil war that would keep Biden from becoming... Man, you really got good fiction writers working these cases. The, the rage-filled extremists, they were going to keep Biden from being president. This is what it was. This is a groundbreaking story we have recordings where men said dumb shit in a clubhouse. Your Honor... These drunk men who aren't having sex and like to get together and trade speeches of it's just speeches like in those old cartels. Oh, I oughta, what I oughta do, what I oughta, I oughta. That's it. It's a bunch of people. They're getting around and they go over. They took us from our jobs. What I oughta, I would, I would, I would shoot the lady. And then someone go, oh, well, I would, I would, I would, I would capture her and then hold a court. Well, what I oughta, I, that's it. That's it. You, you got, you got footage. Or actually recordings of dumbasses getting together and having a little iota club 
and then you play the recordings. It's like if you were listening to the idiots I've described on the show before that like to play Magic Gathering and then send me emails and go, no, Magic's really great. Why are you hating on Magic? And you're like, hey, this guy's looking to release wizard people onto the and, and then prevent Biden from becoming president. What kind of fantasy writers are working over at the FBI here? This was a good line from the article. This case is steeped in marijuana smoke, said Fox's lawyer, Christopher Gibbons, noting the testimony showed his client repeatedly smoked pot before discussions about the alleged plot. These agents took advantage of Adam's substance abuse issues. Accused uh, later of Whitmer plot was struggling financially, living in storage space. I mean, who is the FBI going after? Do you really have to ruin these people's lives? It's unbelievable. All right. Gibbons said Fox was engaged in live action role playing or LARPing, not any real world conspiracy. The plan was utter nonsense. It was real to Adam. It wasn't real to Adam Fox at Gibbons. His client, he added, was unusually, was usually impaired. He's just playing a game. There you go. The FBI comes by. He's got this cool car that this guy can never afford. He picks him up from the box he's living in. He goes, yeah, we're going to smoke this weed, and then we're going to go to the clubhouse. And then, you know, you yeah, you get to hang out with us. And then he shows up, and he goes, hey, so, uh, you know, you, you you just smoked the weed. You're the most creative one here. If we got a hold of the governor, what would you do? And then he goes, well, I oughta. And then at the same time, the FBI then reports, oh, look, we've managed to discover these domestic terrorism, people that are living in boxes, that if we just left them alone living their lives, they would be out there trying to unseat our governors, trying to go after our president. This is the dangerous rhetoric that Trump has brought upon us. Who's going to investigate the FBI? Who's going to look into the FBI and who's writing these fiction stories and then selling them to the American public to try and create domestic terrorism titles so that people like me with just a couple of measly strikes on their YouTube channels and then creating new YouTube channels to get I wouldn't get around strikes because uh, or at least not without knowing. I don't know. You almost need a lawyer just to broadcast for no money out of your apartment. I mean, there's some money because you'll create them home with sixty dollar kilos. Dude, I took a crayon pill the other night. I was hanging out with my pal, my pal. I mean, if you're over the age of 21, and I don't recommend daily, but a single uh, single train wreck pill, that will uh, give you a nice, ease and buzz, even buzz for about four hours. Make your, make your The weight comes off the shoulders, and you're like, you know what? I can I can exist around people. All right, let's move on. Uh, the week, uh, jury, jury acquits two men in plot to Kim Knight, Michigan governor, the normalization of political violence. There you go. That's the spin that the uh, liberal media is putting on this, that this is now the normalization of political violence. And I will say, in my opinion, I think we need cameras in federal court. I mean, these are the most interesting court cases. How can we don't get to see them? This one, Ghislaine Maxwell trial, we didn't get to see it. Like the Kyle Rittenhouse. I want the Kyle Rittenhouse treatment on court cases like this. Let's see how dirty this game is. When you see those prosecutors getting up there, let's actually hear what these recordings sound like. Let's hear the evidence that they were trying to bring. Let's see what these agents look like. Let's see firsthand what this trial actually looks like so everyone can realize how much of a sham this thing is and what the fuck is the FBI up to that they're trying to pretend that there's some massive... It's exactly what they did with uh, with terrorism, man, when they... Uh, now I'm throwing man in here for no reason. Uh, with those kids in the Bronx, and then it turned out that it was also entrapment from the FBI because then you can continue to get your funding and you create your own news about the threats that you would like to be able to go police, that you can get funding... And then, you know, continue to police these things that weren't really an issue. All right. Uh, I think there was one more. Uh, here we go. This is the last uh, quote that I will read on this one. But the prosecutor's case was hampered by a lack of clarity on what exactly the men were accused of plotting. No attack ever took place and no final date for an abduction was set. 
Testimony showed the details of the alleged plan sometimes deferred drastically from prosecution witness to prosecution witness because they were just sitting there playing a fucking game of what I ought to do. All right, that's enough on that one. Oh, and now in classic run your mouth ADD faction, um, going back to the January 6th defendant. So while it would seem, hey, this is great. This guy got let off the hook. Look at this. You know, the people that were just walking into the building are getting love, but except this particular individual was a defense contractor. So was he just one of these FBI dorks who was on the scene? So he's getting let off, but everyone else that was there is going to continue to get in trouble. I don't know. I, I can't answer that. I'm just, uh, let's hope that the individuals who were peaceful on that day took a free mall tour, went for a nice walk. Oh man, that's some trippy shit. If you're watching the stream right now, look at that. I'm I'm following myself in line. Boo. Hey, what's up? Yo, where's the Shedcast game? Give me a beat. Look at me. It sounds like I'm DJing. Anyone who's listening to this podcast tomorrow is going to go, what is what was Rob doing in the middle of the show there? But if you're listening right now, that makes perfect sense. Look at the way I just froze. Someone go meme that shit. Looks like I'm jerking off. Hey, wait, let me let me reach over to this. No, that's the wrong side. Can I get to this side? <laughs> All right, let's take some comments and everyone can just enjoy. I'm going to I'm going to stand behind uh I'm going to stand behind myself. How trippy is this everybody? All right, let's go. Robbie, I want a shirt like the plaid one you're wearing. Well, you know, go to your local Marshalls or Walmart or wherever I bought this one from. I don't even know. Honestly, just some good old boys. There you go. St. Michael flannels all the way up here in Maine, LOL. I got some flannel. I just don't know where to find the good ones. I'll go shopping with you. Tell me what state you're in. Let's go shopping together. L.L. Bean, if you don't mind spending a bit. Of, nah, fuck L.L. Bean. What am I going to What am I gonna do the things? St. Michael, nothing shaking on Shakedown Street. Used to be the hard town. Forest Mommy, what a glitch. I know it's a weird one, but we're not resetting. DJ the fire. All right, there you go. I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm going to stand behind the, the me glitching out the whole time. This is because I'm actually like Biden and... Uh, I don't exist. I'm just a 3D representation of your own imagination. You know all the crazy thoughts that you have in your head, but you don't actually know how to verbalize? Well, run your mouth doesn't exist. This show doesn't exist. And uh, this glitch right now is proof of all that. All right, let's uh, watch this video. And then I think I'm going to save the rest of everything for tomorrow. Uh, and, oh, look, I'm back. <laughs> Dude, the people listening tomorrow are going to have no idea why... We, I was doing this bit, but that's on them. They can, people listening to the show should go check. I mean, people watching the YouTube live stream should go check out the podcast version because there's going to be a full interview that you're not going to get on this channel because we already got strikes on it. And I want to do the post-production to put up the video. Maybe I will at a later point in time. And then people who are listening to the podcast who are all like, why is he talking about some glitch? I don't understand what's going on here. You guys can go check out the, uh, the, the video version. All right, let's let's uh, let's see if I can change the setup here and if that will help. That didn't help at all, but let's give this a listen. I want to break down this video. Here we go. This uh, um, population affairs. Um, it says in here, and I quote, gender affirming care encompasses many facets of healthcare needs and support. It has been shown to increase positive outcomes for transgender and non-binary children. Mr. Secretary, Looks like I'm fucking myself. Now I'm not child. listening again. Let's pull a, it back. A child in America. Include them in this. Mothers are mothers. Moving forward, Mr. Secretary, I want to read for you um, from a document from your office, um, the Office of um, Population Affairs. Um, it says in here, and I quote, gender affirming care encompasses many facets of health care needs and support. 
It has been shown to increase positive outcomes for transgender and non-binary children. Mr. Secretary, what is a transgender child? A, a child in America is a child in America, and I hope you and I can love that child. Just You know what? Fuck it. I'm calling it a stream because uh, for everyone listening at home, you're going to get a long-ass broadcast, and this is good. 20-minute introduction means that my guests can get a little bit more focus. And uh, for everyone tomorrow, we'll come back without this uh, glitchy glitch glitch thing going on. Um, I know, sweet petites, you're saying you can't pay attention to the video. I agree. So we're gonna we're gonna bring it back tomorrow, and I'll tease this topic because it's really quite insane. I, uh, all right, transgender, do you? I don't. I don't. No one. No one, no one listening to this show cares. You know, it's new technology, whatever. Boy, girl, I don't give a shit. I don't even think we need the male-female categories. At some point, people are going to be born out of labs and tubes. Who gives a shit? I don't care if you're a lady. I don't care if you're a dude. I don't care if you want to switch sides. doesn't matter to me. doesn't matter whatsoever. When it comes to kids making that decision when they're three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I don't think you have the research yet to suggest that they can make those kinds of decisions about their identity to make life-altering changes. And I also don't think government should be stepping in and paying for people that want to go undergo gender reassignment surgery, certainly not kids and certainly not kids whose parents aren't into that. And so what this video would represent to us is that these people care about kids so much and they have such outstanding research about the harms of not swapping genders when you first acknowledge at a young age that maybe you're in the wrong gender that maybe government should even take kids away from their parents uh, to and pay for those reassignments. And then I guess you return it like a neutered dog. You just return it to the parents and be like, hey, we changed your kid. I hope you still love it. Um, all right. So that's it. I, I've teased tomorrow's topic. And for everyone listening later tonight, I'll have the audio version out, which will have that whole interview. And now that's uh, that's it for today. I don't know. I got you know what? I got real ramped up. I was real excited to go. Uh, the glitch is fucking weird. I'm getting I'm I, I, I'm weirded out looking at it. It's giving it's giving me ADD freak out or something. All right. A couple comments and then uh, we'll be back tomorrow with more broad with more broadcast for all you fine listeners. Um, can I get glitchy Robbie as a desktop pal like old Clippy the paperclip? You know what? If someone wants to work on that, I, I would gladly license that. I think that would make for uh, for a great look on anyone's computer. Um, or I like the idea of women flicking their bean and just staring at that. You know, it looks like I'm working you or something. You'd have to be like angled, like st- like on a table with your legs up kind of thing. And it would be a weird stroke. I'd, I'd, get, I'd give you that. <laughs> Sweet petites. You the man, Rob. Please. We love you, Rob. All right, guys. We'll be back tomorrow morning with uh, with a full episode of the Run Your Mouth uh, podcast. And uh, later tonight, look out for the audio version, which will uh, include a long and fun interview. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Well, thanks for having me on the show, first of all. And uh, my name is Asad Sharif. I am uh, an American Ethiopian, and uh, I'm, I want to be on the show to tell my story, for, first of all, about... Um, I was uh, arrested by the Turkish uh, police or Turkish army in uh, the border between uh, Syria and uh, Turkey. And, uh, you know, the the borders between the, the Kurdish side and Turkey. And uh, 
yeah, I was abandoned. Uh, the American government knew I was there. Uh, we shook hands on it, and I was abandoned by them there for about a year uh, until I had to get my own lawyer to get out of there. And uh, so let's uh, let's take a step back because you're throwing some yeah. wild stuff at us. We're, we're 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 heart into we're delving deep into an interesting tale here. So, firstly, how do you even end up in uh, in Turkey? Were you there working, or like you're just traveling, looking at some uh, sightseeing? That I cannot say, but uh, oh, mysterious. So yeah, you, well, you, so you're not, you, you're not yeah, a citizen of Turkey, though. You're a citizen of uh, USA. Uh, yeah. You're a USA citizen, but you're originally, you said, from where? Ethiopia. Ethiopia. You're born in Ethiopia. Or you're born in the U.S. I was born in the U.S., but uh, both of my families are both Ethiopian. So. Okay, so Ethiopian, born in the U.S., and then you just you magically end up in Turkey. Handshake yeah. agreement with the United States government, and then they they leave you to hanging dry. Yeah. So uh, and about yeah for the Turkish government, uh, what do you call it? Actually, uh, at the beginning, they they were about to send me back. Uh, you know, I was about to get deported back to the United States, which I was, uh, you know, thank God after I had the, the beating I've taken and you know <laughs> being called a terrorist and all that. So, uh, but then after I mean, an order came in from some somewhere that you know uh, I cannot be released. And I was not charged with anything, so I was just indefinitely uh, in a, you know, in a holding cell. And um, yeah, the, 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 I had to get my own lawyers and everything, and I had to finally got out. So uh, I finally got out, uh, went to Europe, talked to the FBI, and um, not only after Europe, I went to Thailand. And when I went to Thailand, this is what I want to talk about. So when I went to Thailand again, uh, I got arrested, and this time I was called ISIS. By the, by the Thai government. So this is great. Uh, I responded to a random email and I got a terrorist on the show. This is going to be great for run your mouth. This is what's going to put me on the map is that <laughs> Rob Bernstein invites, uh, wh which terrorist unit are you with? I'm not familiar with all the branches of ISIS. So at least you can uh, let me know who we're talking I, with I, today. I wasn't part of any, ISIS. Any, never, never, never. <laughs> any, any threats or demands that you want to make while I put you on my public platform? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. But yeah, this is what I'm talking about. So this is the lie yeah. that uh, you know, uh, on behalf of the United States government, the Thai government arrested me, and charged me as a terrorist and put me in the what do you call it? The, uh, what do you call it when you transfer people from one country to another? Prisoner transfer? Uh, I don't know because I've never had to take part in that. At the moment, the the domestic terrorism title isn't in place, so I, I I've been able to avoid such classifications or deportations. So no, 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 but no I, there's, there's a reason why, like, what do you call when you uh, uh, the agreement when you have prisoners to to bring back from other countries? You know, uh, I forgot the name of it. Um, I don't know either. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, like, so I was put in that uh, you know where they put like you know mostly Chinese people that were getting sent back to China and uh, Koreans that did crime in Korea and they were they were going to get sent back to Korea. But like, you know, I wasn't charged with any crime. You know, and they, they said I was ISIS and they put me there, you know, even though what's, I was not uh, ISIS. What's yeah. your native language? What's like your first speaking language? Uh, I'm Harik. Har what, what I don't even know what that. I'm getting a lot of education here. What is Harik? I'm Harik. I'm Harik. I'm Harik. It's the uh, Ethiopian language. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I was uh, there, like, which is a horrible experience. You know, I was uh, tied to, uh, what do you call it, against the cell, you know, given a bottle to piss in. You know, they only let me out for uh, to go uh, to go to the bathroom and, you know, fighting rats and all that stuff and cockroaches, you know, so, uh, how big how big were the roaches? Which country are we even talking about? Thailand. 
Thailand, because I got to say to me, I mean, I hate roaches more than anything. Roaches are just like there's nothing grosser. I, I when I say I hate roaches, like I'm I'm sure your experience is, is my version of hell. Because when I lived in New York City, every once in a while I'd have a roach in my apartment. I mm-hmm. swear I would sleep with the lights on with like with with headphones so that they couldn't go into my ears, and I'd have like nightmares for a month. So like I, I'm just saying, you're describing like I'm sure everything about prison, but like roaches are like my personal hell. How big were the roaches in this prison? Oh, pretty big. And yeah, so, you know, we wake up like crawling uh, all over you sometimes, you know, and then you have to, uh, you kill them. So, but uh, the, the biggest problem were the rats, I would say. So, you know, uh, because they bite you. But uh, I once read, uh, there was this book, uh, Papillon. If you've never read it, I, I recommend yeah, it. Read it. it. Yeah. You've the, read, it? read it? No, I saw the movie. Sorry. The, 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 movie. the original movie was great. The remake was okay. The book is excellent. I think it was later discovered that he might have been a great writer and adapted a lot of the tales of different people. Doesn't matter. When I read that book in high school, it was one of the most inspiring things I'd read because it was really a testimony to the power of persistence. But he describes being in this one jail that it would flood every day. And when it flooded, I guess all these rats would come in and they'd have to like beat the rats through the cages like that. The rats (laughs) wouldn't come into their cells. Um, but to, so to take a step back, all right. So you, you're originally from America, but English isn't your first language. The, 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 this mysterious tale, you end up in Turkey and that's your mm-hmm. first time being arrested as a terrorist. Now, which kind of like what, 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 I, I mean, there are different terrorist titles. Who, who are, who are the Americans, you know, claiming that you like, what organization were they claiming that you were a part of? that you were given this, uh, you know, terrorist title and in, in when you were in Turkey for unknown and unexplained reasons. For uh, they said I was just, uh, yeah, just a suspected, you know, they have a, what do you call emergency law. So, so any suspected person could get arrested arbitrarily. So right. they just put me in there uh, as a Kurdish terrorist, I guess. That, and so how, did, and so how did you get out of uh Turkish jail? I got a lawyer, you know, they argued about it and they said you need to deport this guy. There's not, you have no crime against him. You, you didn't catch him on anything. All he was is just, you know, he just walking down the street and uh, like, you know, by, uh, from the, by the borders, like, you know, close to Achilles, which is, I think, Akshakale, actually, that's what it's called. It's the quarter to, uh, you know, uh, close to Syria. So I was just walking down the street. That's when they- and so they, from there you decide, all right, I'm going to go to Thailand. Why Thailand? No, from there I went to Europe. I talked right. to the FBI in Europe. Uh, we talked and they were like, we said everything was cool and everything like that. We explained, you know, uh, we talked a little bit. And, you know, so I thought everything was cool with them, you know? So I went to Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> and then for somehow reason I get arrested again, and then they tell me, "Oh, you you are ISIS." I was like, "What the fuck? Who said this?" You know, <laughs> and uh, and I didn't have any lawyers. Uh, like they they prohibited me to get any lawyers or any phone calls. You know, right? So uh, and everybody was afraid to talk to me or like you know, get information out from me from the from the prison. You know, because they you know they treated me really bad, even more so than any other the prisoners. Yeah, I put the camera a little bit, I guess. Yeah, so. Yeah, so they treated me worse than any other prisoners, and they told uh, other prisoners not to give me money, not to help them out, you know, or else you get punished. And you know, this guy is ISIS. So uh, finally, this Nigerian guy. Can I ask you a Thailand prison jail? Do they uh, do they fight Muay Thai in those jails? Uh, I mean, not like uh, there's certain prison I wasn't in there, but yeah, there's certain prison where they uh, where they do the contest, but they do practice it where where I was at, but they didn't. Right. Uh, there was no competition, and you know you get reduced sentence for that kind of stuff. You know, not where I was at. No, uh, I think that's that, that stuff's like right out of a movie. 
the fact that you can, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if you're actually in that prison, it still sucks, but like, it seems pretty cool that you can at least earn your freedom uh, and that you get to fight to do it. It sounds cool. I mean, it's, if <laughs> yeah. you're actually there, it's not cool. It sounds cool because we've seen movies and you get to watch the one Arnold Schwarzenegger guy who gets out and, you know, everyone else that he beats up actually turned out to be a hardened criminal. Uh, so of the jails that you've been to, which one would you say is the worst? Because it's also some movie shit that people have been in and out of all sorts of jails and corners of the world and they go, that one was the worst one. Which uh, one would you say is absolutely the worst one? Thai, actually, Thailand, because the, the way they treat people over there is uh, amazing. And not only that, they put uh, mentally ill people in prison as well. So, you know, we were there with a lot of mentally ill people. So uh, and a lot of mentally ill, like foreigners as well, like British, German. And these guys, I don't know, they just the government just abandoned them. And uh, not only that, like, I mean, by the time I was there, I was I was not there long, but 15 people died. They just like carried them Jeez. out. And them away. So, uh, yeah, so I was, uh, you know, so it was pretty crazy. So, all right. So, uh, I was about to say. Oh, yeah. So I got it. Uh, I finally got like this Nigerian guy helped me get my get talk to my sister. You know, uh, he got uh, information to my sister. My sister called a lawyer here in America. And asked the American government, hey, what's going on? You know, did you guys put this guy in jail? They said, no, we don't know anything about this guy. <laughs> so, uh, so finally, the American government came in. The FBI came in over there and they said, oh, we don't know anything about it. And I got released, you know, from uh, because uh, you know, there was no reason I should be there. So I came to back to the United States and I met a couple of. Uh, so I do have a question for you and you can yeah. play the fifth. Absolutely. I don't want to get you in trouble in any capacity, but there mm -hmm. is a little bit uh, missing from the, this mystery mystery here. And, you know, you can make it up. But can you give us a little bit of context, I guess, to what your relationship is with government agencies that you ended up, I guess, at one point in Turkey for unknown reasons and that the American government seems to be gunning for you in colluding with other governments to put you in jail. Is there any, is there any element of context that you can give to us as to either your relationship or why they might be gunning for you? Well, you know, like, uh, I'm a, uh, I'm a political activist. That's probably one of the reasons, uh, you know, they don't like my ideals and, uh, you know, they just uh, they just want to put people in. They don't like uh, <laughs> you know, just to be. They don't like Muslim people to begin with, and they, I think they just like to put people in, in prison uh, who they seem they're, so, they're, that is that doesn't you know fit their narrative. So fill, you know? so fill us in with just a little bit more context here. So what is the what is your political activism? Like I said, I, I watched mm. one of your videos, and we're going to get into the Ukraine stuff in a minute. And I did think it was informative, and mm. you're, you're the, the bold lines of your story were were interesting. Where you said, "Hey, I've I've been I've spent time in jail, and I was able to get myself out." And I like speaking to people from different sides of the world, Muslim people with different perspectives. Like this, this is the kind of context we don't get in the in the American media. So mm -hmm. it's a hell yeah, let's have a conversation. But like I said, it's not like there's a Wikipedia page that gives me the uh, the Assad Sarif story. So yeah. fill fill me in a little bit. So what what is the what, what like what, what was the perspective that you had that could get you on the radar of these agencies? Well, just by traveling in general, just my traveling, I wrote a couple of tufts that were critical against the United States government. Uh, you know. I'm a little bit rebellious, so you know it looks. Uh, it's not or what do you call it? It's not the average citizen that you know that does the things that I do. Um, yeah, so for for now, that's all I could say. But uh, yeah, all so right, I'm, keep, not big, I'm, I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of the United States government to begin with. But uh, when it was in Syria, you know, uh, I mean, I didn't say I, I did not Syria, but uh, yeah, but I did. Uh, you know, we did have an agreement. 
which they fucked me over multiple times. And not only that, though. So, yeah, my point is, so I came back to the United States, right? So the FBI was like, oh, we didn't know anything about it. We tried to get you out, man. You know, like, you know, that was our Thai government. So I, I brought him a letter uh, that wasn't Thai, but it was by the Thai police that was saying, oh, put this guy in prison because the American government says so. And uh, they got shook. And then they were like, oh, uh, why don't you come work for us? So I was like, okay, doing what? He said, you can make $100,000 a year. So I was like, I was excited, you know. <laughs> so they told me, uh, oh, uh, you know, you, you'll be an ISIS recruiter online. And, you know, uh, and, you know, you catch people and, uh, you know, we arrest them. You know, you can just become an ISIS recruiter on, uh, online. I was like, uh, this was when ISIS was uh, defeated anyway. I say, oh, ISIS is finished. And, uh, you know, should we sign papers or anything? I was like, no, no, don't worry about it. We don't have to sign papers. Just come up with a code name. So I know this, like, you know, they're trying to fuck me over again. You know, there's not enough. <laughs> they try to fuck me over in Turkey uh, and in Thailand. And now again, they try to fuck me over, try to set me up. So I, I tell the stories because to tell people like how the, the deceiving, how deceptive, uh, you know, the duplicitous the American uh, government is, the American, especially the agencies that work with them, you know, they're so duplicitous and like, you know, conniving. So I told the guy, okay, you know, you want my code name? I told him, you know, it's uh, Abu Gangbang Al-Amariki. <laughs> my code name. <laughs> so I laugh out loud, you know, the guy gets pissed off. And I told him, hey, look, enough is enough. You know, next time you want to do this shit, I'm tired of you trying to, like, you know, uh, put me, you know, fool me into prison, you know, like having other people do your dirty work for you. You know, next time, just put a bullet in my brain. I told him that and I left. So that was the, my last conversation with the agencies, uh, any of them. So, um, yeah, so that's when I started, you know, doing uh, what he called uh, my Rebels, Renegades and Revolutionaries channel to talk about, you know, all the, the bullshit that American government has. Not... Um, one, one of it is to celebrate rebels and revolutionaries that I uh, admire throughout history, uh, whether it is, uh, you know, even back as Joan of Arc or, you know, Asada Shakur and, you know, you know, IRA, whatever, you know, they're not, the, you know, they're not the perfect people in the world, you know, but uh, just to celebrate uh, those people, because, you know, we have made too many shows about celebrating, uh, you know, uh, mafias and, you know, all those people, cartels, but we don't have uh, shows or documentaries that, uh, that tells the life story of those people and what, uh, why did it? What did it? And, uh, you know, you can be the judge if they're good or bad at the end of the day. Uh, that's one of them. And the other one is to talk about the United States government and, um, and yeah, the evils that they do and, you know, the, the duplicitous things they do and, you know, how they use, uh, what do you call it, outside forces. Not, you know, they use the United States military, but they use outside forces too. Like we're talking about, like in Ukraine, the Azov Brigade. In Syria, they use, uh, they have many other, what do you call it? Uh, I call these people Bashi Bazooks because it's a Turkish word. Meaning, um, these were uh, Turkish mercenaries back in the day. Okay, so let's, let, 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 let's, yeah. uh, let's reset yeah. here a little bit and, yeah. uh, we'll put, we'll put some warnings out there for the people and we'll, we'll set a little bit of the, of, of the backstop, the, 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 the backdrop here. So you've spent time in some ways intermingling with United States, uh, agencies in some context, it sounds like they were using you for, uh, anti-terrorism measures. And then they painted you to be a terrorist to maybe get a collar. And, uh, you know, doesn't really doesn't. All right. Doesn't even matter. But you you've spent time internationally and you've seen the inner workings of some of these agencies and the way that they're working. And you've seen the parallels between what's happened between Syria and what's going on now in Ukraine. And yeah. so you and I, we're going to take a bold stance against terrorism, but mm. we're going to showcase what it is the United States government has done, which is evil and uh, is not in the interest of the American public, 
So let's start with that. What you saw in Syria specifically um, that, you know, the United States government was up to that kind of undermined the general good of mankind. All right. Well, uh, just to note, I was never in Syria. Like I said, that's, oh, okay. I was never, yeah. So, but from where I was in prison, uh, you know, I remember there was a lot of uh, ISIS prisoners. There was like foreigners as well. And uh, even a free Syrian army people. So, uh, and, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of them and uh, for my research as well, you know, you could see that they paint one thing for the public, for the public, you know, the, for the world, CNN and all that stuff, you know, all these are freedom fighters. They are fighting for that. And uh, Bashar al-Assad is killing the people and uh, this and that, you know, and, uh, but on the reality though, there are, these people are funding terrorists to fight Bashar al-Assad, but not because, you know, he's, uh, he's a bad guy because, you know, he's a dictator because we're, they're full of dictators. You know, uh, most of our friends in the Middle East are dictators. You know, uh, when the Bahraini people rose up against the, the monarchy over there and Saudi Arabia sent in tanks and stuff like that, we just, uh, we didn't say anything. But um, the, the thing about Bashar al-Assad, you know, is a uh, friend of uh, Iran, friends of uh, Hezbollah and uh, against American hegemony and Israeli hegemony in, uh, in the Middle East. So that was the reason they wanted to take him out. And uh, to do that, you know, uh, you know, Amer uh, the CIA and uh, what do you call it, the American government always had killers to do dirty jobs for it, uh, even during the Cold War too, like, you know, the Contras and stuff like that. And these are the people actually that won the war for the United States in the, in the Cold War or the Mujahideen uh, against the Soviets. So, and um, these killers, they, they don't make uh, what do you call it, they're not the greatest people on earth. So to say that, oh, these are democratic people, these are, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, freedom fighters. I'm. I don't know. Like not not your not your what do you call definition of freedom. So the so they funded a lot of terrorists and uh, you know, and when I was there as well, you can tell you know people that uh, ISIS people that went in there. They told me that uh, when they went to Syria, the door was open for them. The Turkish government opened the door for them. Back in the day, so this was the heyday when they were winning uh, stuff and, you know, they weren't fighting against Turkey and stuff like that. And, you know, things didn't fall apart. But they opened the door for them and uh, the Turkish, uh, what they call soldiers, took pictures with them as they were going to, uh, what they call Syria, to fight against Bashar al-Assad. This is uh, Bab al-Hawa. This uh, is the border between Hatay and I think, I don't know there was the Syrian side, but uh, it's Hatay is the Turkish side. And uh, Bab al-Hawa is the, the border uh, frontier crossing. So they opened the door for these people to just go in. And, you know, weapons, people just came in there. And, uh, yeah, it's the same thing right now, as we can see in uh, in Ukraine, where they opened, the, you know, I think it's just the Polish border is open. I don't know, there's maybe other borders too. There's other borders, just people to open and, you know, just fight in. And they're calling these people heroes and blah, blah, blah. A lot of neo-Nazis are going there too, you know, just to get training and stuff like that. So those are the similarities as well, because... So, so this two, is and so this yeah. was the United States government, both in Syria and now in Ukraine, what training and arming nefarious individuals. So you're saying in Ukraine, it's new neo-Nazis and in Syria, who, who were they arming in Syria? Well, like, I mean, it was not just it was their subsidiaries, which is like, you know, their their boys in, uh, in the Middle East, which is Turkey, uh, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, uh, UAE. I don't know who else, but yeah, there was like too many people like, <laughs> like, you know, flooding money and weapons there. And there was too many groups as well. There was, uh, I mean, I can, I can name them all. There was Jais al-Islam, Ahra al-Sham, uh, Tahrir al-Sham, uh, I mean, uh, what is that? Jabhat al-Nusra. 
you know, the Liwa al-Islam. I mean, there are too many people. I mean, like there's so much money flowing. There's so much weapons and cash, you know, and then there's too many groups. So uh, to say, uh, you know, yeah, so uh, Syria was wild in the case, even more so than um, actually even more so than Ukraine of the amount of money it is. Um, but the difference is, though, in uh, in Syria, the, these people, even before finishing off Bashar al-Assad, they start fighting each other. So, uh, you, as you know, like you know, the disagreement between uh, Qatar and Saudi Arabia, and they, they blockaded uh, Qatar. Uh, so even before the you know the, they finished off uh, Bashar al-Assad, these people were fighting each other, biting each other heads off. To, you know, You're uh, saying they needed some focus. The United States government, we gave these people all these arms and said, go fight Assad. And then they got all the weapons. And they just started fighting each other. They never even yeah, made even it to Assad. They, yeah. Yeah, even before they finish Assad, yeah, like so it's like you know, uh, uh, you know, even like you know, hyenas are better than these people, you know, because hyenas at least you know when they hunt something, at least they kill it, they kill it. Right, and then they, they finish hunting it. it and then they fight over it. But you got to you got to finish the job first. Yeah, so <laughs> these are even worse than hyenas because <laughs> even before the prey is killed, they start killing each other. Assad <laughs> is uh, he's the president of Syria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he, I, yeah, we have the same name, yeah. So. And he's, uh, um, or are you the secret brother? Is that what's really going on here? They were trying to uh, reinstall you. As no, the, well, you, you look nothing. You look nothing like Assad. Assad's pretty, isn't he? Like he's like white and kind of like almost. He speaks English. Like, um, yeah, well, he's uh, he's Syrian. You know, we're different. I'm Ethiopian. He's Syrian. So I'm black. He's uh, he's Arab. So yeah. So we're different. Yeah. Yeah, but he's but, pretty. Yeah. Isn't he? Is he? He's pretty light skinned right? Am I wrong on yeah, that? Like, and, uh, no, a lot of uh, if you've been to the Middle East, a lot of uh, there's quite a few people, blonde hair, blue eyes as well, and uh, even with white skin because uh, you know just a lot of mixture between people. Those back are the, in the secret well. Nazis who are running the region. That's that's the <laughs> real storyline here. Hitler implemented his Nazi regime into Middle East to rule over uh, the Muslim nations. No, it's like it's a remnants of the Crusade as well. You know, a lot of Crusaders, you know, they stayed over there, and you know, there's oh, yeah, uh, they just hung out. They're like, this is great. Let's just stay yeah. here. Yeah, you know, just descendants of them and uh, what do you call it? The Romans, you know, like because Palmyra was a Roman city. So, you know, it's just like the you know, people, uh, you know, just history, you know, just people, you know, come, you know, get together and stuff like that. Or I have to, yeah, my history is so bad. I'm really good on basically U.S. politics over the last seven years because that's what I followed for doing podcasting. Outside of that and economics, my world history is basically. I have no context no. for anything. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, you know, for me personally, I figured out that, you know, the, that the war in Syria was not, uh, was a political machination. I didn't believe it was, uh, what do you call it? It was uh, God's rule, though. This was a jihad or anything like that, you know. This was a political thing for me. I looked at it a political set of view, you know. I didn't look at it as a jihad, you know, uh, mujahideen, you know, this is uh, to save the Muslim people. I saw what was going on, you know, between Saudi Arabia and, uh, and Turkey and, you know, Qatar and all those places and the United States and Israel, you know. I saw those things, but many people didn't. And many young people went there, you know. So let's, uh, but so lay it on us. What do you see as the, uh, as the politics? Because I've heard crazy stories. I mean, the first one that made the most sense to me was that ISIS was actually a rebranding of the old uh, Iraqi army. It was essentially those generals. Then you've heard, I've heard as much as Israel's looking to sow chaos in the region so that they were actually working with ISIS. Then I, I like, uh, then you saw, I, I mean, the Americans were claiming, hey, we're arming the moderate rebels, which turned out to be the Taliban. Then you had, there were groups No, there was of, the Taliban, that's Afghanistan. That, you mean the Al-Qaeda? 
Yeah, there was Al Qaeda, and then this was a funny story. I remember seeing a headline at one point that uh, the CIA-backed rebel group was basically at war with the Pentagon-backed rebel group because they yeah, each had the, armed so the, different yeah, people. The, the Kurdish, yeah, the Kurdish is the Pentagon like backside, uh, so right. the CIA backside is the Al Qaeda one. So this is what I'm talking about. So you know. Even being a friend of the United States government, they're going to fuck you over so because because they're giving side weapons to the other side. Oh, that's going to fuck. That's trying to kill you as well. So what the fuck are you doing, my guy? You know, are you my friend or you're trying? <laughs> right. <laughs> so this is what I was saying. You know, like so. Uh, that's why I just say don't 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 trust the American government or the agencies, especially because you know, uh, even before like uh, even before even you know the the prey was finished, Bashar al-Assad was finished. You know, they were giving up money, weapons, and like you know, somebody that's trying to kill you too. So you know, who who am I supposed to fight? You know. So, um, yeah, so I saw the politics. Yeah, they're just trying to take out uh, Bashar al-Assad. It's nothing that has to do about freedom. It has nothing to do about, you know, he's killing his own people and they're trying to save people. They are just about, like, you know, trying to take him out and doing whatever is necessary and giving weapons to whoever uh, it is that was willing to fight him, which is mostly, like, you know, fanatics. These are these make the best, the best fighters, you know, fanatics, psychopaths, you know, uh, and... Like the contras or uh, etc. What, what, yeah. what, what, what do they hope for? So even if you took out Assad, like mm. how do you? I, I mean, the problem with Iraq was so we take out Saddam and then you end up with this power vacuum. With one, Iran is more powerful. Two, you end up with ISIS coming in, taking all the military equipment, and then nearly you know setting up their own little state. Like how do you? How do you take out a? Like what would be the like? If you just take out Assad, is the plan, hey, let's just have chaos here? Is it like, I, I mean, I don't know what would be better for the Syrian people. I don't live in the area. Well, but they, they don't they don't give a fuck about the Syrian people. This no, I get that. Like, so I'm yeah, saying, but right. what so what is the plan then? Is it just, hey, let's have chaos in the region? Yes. So that there the plan, should be yeah. no leader? Yeah, so that's the plan. So uh you know as we uh, in america or anywhere else see it you know like oh chaos though that means a bad, that's a bad thing or like what we see in libya but no but uh chaos is better than a strong leader than a what do you call uh you're saying uh, from a u.s perspective or for the perspective of the actual people living there from the u.s perspective from the government's perspective uh, chaos is better than an organized government okay. an organized government can give you opposition you know can veto you in the un or whatever or can can uh, align with uh, russia and china can do more stuff you know uh to uh to undermine your hegemony in the middle east or anywhere else you know uh, a strong leadership in the middle east so a strong man what it is uh saddam so you, want, you either yeah. want a puppet government or like an ally who's in charge that's going to keep everyone in line and basically represent your interests or you want no government chaos. there yeah yeah chaos you just want people to just kill each other be not safe you know that and uh, that's uh that's another outcome yeah it would be preferable for them instead of having a guy that would uh, that would oppose them so the, the you know people say oh you know they failed in, uh, in Libya no they they succeeded in Libya that's what that's exactly what they wanted to do because like you know just people fighting each other endlessly you know the country in chaos poverty you know warlords running through and like shooting each other and, wasn't uh, wasn't Gaddafi aligned with us at one point like I know that he had kind of uh, disarmed his own nukes and I thought he was kind of aligned with the U.S. in terms of yeah uh, exactly so yeah and opposing Al Qaeda right yeah so uh, yeah. So after the end of the Cold War, uh, and uh, after I think we invaded Saddam, you know, he he didn't he won't, he didn't want to get invaded either. So he said, "All right, look, you know, let's bury the hatchet, you know, peace." And you know, so we signed a a peace agreement, you know, and you know, and uh, and their, and his sons came to Washington D.C. Met Hillary Clinton. Uh, he even funded, uh, I think, uh, what was his name? Hansoulon? No, not Hansoulon. Sarkozy. Sarkozy's uh, government, uh, what do you call it? You know Sarkozy, right? Nicolas Sarkozy, 
the French, uh, the, one of the former pre French president. So he even uh, funded him. He even had uh, stakes in fiat. You know, he was pretty cordial with the with the Western government. So after that, though, they they backstabbed him and uh, took him out. Uh, so that's what it is. Um, yeah. So what I wanted to say. Oh yeah. So yeah, a lot of people were tricked into, uh, you know, a lot of uh, what do you call young Muslims were tricked, saying, "Oh, this is like you know for the Muslim cause. This is for the." And this is tricked by ISIS, or who's tricking them? Tricked here? by like by the intelligence agencies and uh, what do you call the Saudi Arabian intelligence agencies, uh, other agencies, you know, because. All right, just uh, help me help me follow this. Are we talking specifically in Syria right now, or what, yeah, what, in Syria, in Syria? Uh, because in other words, you have young people in Syria that are be, being tricked by Saudi Arabian and American intelligence. Essentially, no, I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the people that went there to fight, like you know the uh, the people that wanted to join ISIS and other terrorist groups, like you know foreigners from America, from Belgium, right. from uh, other side. How of the, uh, how yeah. widespread was that? People going there to join like, a lot, was there... a lot, a lot. I really? Like, are we are we talking Florida. like if we like if you had to give me a range in thousands, are we talking like ten to twenty thousand people, five I to ten thousand? I can't put a number on it, but like I met a lot of so many people from different kind of from different countries, like from all over the world. And this from is when you this is when you were in Turkey. These were people that ended up in jail. Yeah, that you met. Yeah. So I met people from Trinidad and Tobago, from uh, as far away as uh, Uzbekistan, Chechnya. Um, where else did I met people? Belgium, Germany, England. And these were all young Muslim men that were what? What's the what's the online wormhole? I mean, you were there representing the CIA, pretending to recruit them. So what's the uh, <laughs> what is the what is the wormhole? You you start off in some chat group. You get an invite from I... some guy on a podcast, nice mustache, says I work in the area. Next thing you know, you're flying over there. <laughs> no, I don't know exactly how they get there, but this what. But uh, you know, there's a certain oh, narrative yeah. that is. Hold that on a is... second. I, I got a plug in my computer. Apparently, it's not plugged in. Just give me one second. No problem. Sorry. All right, we're back. Sorry about that. Yeah. So uh, was what to say? No. So there's this, uh, the uh, the media pushes this narrative, right? The media pushes this narrative, and there's an open border for you to go as well. Just like right now as well, uh, on YouTube as well, and uh, not as much as they did, but just right now as the Ukraine situation as well. You know, they they push this narrative. Oh, you know, um, what do you call it? Russia Russia is killing. Uh, what do you call it? Massacring uh, civilians. You know, we, we want uh, we want volunteers. Blah blah blah. And uh, people go there to fight, and uh, and you know there's an open border, and people give you money, and uh, I don't know exactly the you know the re online recruitment stuff, but uh, it's the same as it is right now. You know, there's a uh, people are like you know uh, are being enticed to join uh, what do you call it, to fight and go to Ukraine. You know, like foreign fighters. You know, uh, they see uh, you know images and online. Uh, on uh, YouTube, on the TV screen, and uh, there's a push for it, you know, uh, and uh, on many aspects through media and other and other ways, there's a push for it for people to go there. So my question was, why isn't there a push 
like uh, if it was truly uh, Mujahideen's, uh, what do you call it, a holy, holy war, why isn't there a push like to go to Myanmar to save the Muslims there? You know, there's no push to go to Myanmar or open borders or somebody giving weapons. You know, why isn't Saudi Arabia? And so, them uh, giving... Give me the context. Yeah. So what, what what's the current incident in my uh, my Myanmar that would make more sense for people to go over there to defend Muslims? Oh, because uh, number one, Bashar al-Assad is also a Muslim. You okay. Know? And uh, what he got, uh, be, he ruled the country, him and his father ruled the country for uh, many decades before. And they were not going around, you know, bitch slapping women for wearing their headscarves or like going around just killing Muslims. You know, they may be Shiite, uh, what he called, they, uh, they're Shiite Muslim, but they're not, uh, what he called, uh, uh, from a... And they're still Muslims anyway. They're Shiite, but they're still Muslims. They're different sects, but they, they ruled that country and they respected Muslim uh, Muslim people and everything like that. But unlike Myanmar, where there's a genocide, you know, just uh, specifically tar targeted uh, Muslim people. You know? And who's, I, so I'm saying, you got to educate me here. Firstly, my, uh, okay, Myanmar's, so, uh, are, Myanmar's a country? Yeah, Burma, Burma. You know, Burma. No, I, I, I'm very uneducated. That's why I'm, I'm being honest here. And I, uh, I like to get the education. So uh, what, no, I, so uh, in Burma, what's the genocide okay. in Burma? All right, in Burma, there's a, what do you call it? It's a Buddhist country, uh, mostly majority-wise. And uh, during the, what do you call British Empire, a lot of people from Bangladesh moved in there. They were Muslims, right? So there's a lot of a heavy ethnic tension there between the the majority, which are the Buddhists, and uh, what do you call it? And, uh, you know, look Asian, and uh, the other one look Bangladeshi. The Muslims look Bangladeshi. So, you know, and they're being massacred, you know? And so when this when this kind of stuff happens, you know, when actual Muslims are getting massacred, why isn't it like is Bangladesh? This, is this currently going on? Uh, I think I, I don't know right, like right now at this moment, but yeah, like even now refugees are coming out. Though. But yeah, they, it was pretty heavy back in the like I think a couple of years ago. But there's still the what they call discrimination. People are getting like you know kicked out. People are still getting killed and stuff like that. Yeah. So. When this is happening, you know, why isn't Saudi Arabia, Turkey and all of them opening the door through Bangladesh, giving weapons for Muslims to go fight like, you know, uh, like, you know, for the freedom of Muslims uh, in, in Myanmar. But no, but they, they, this this is all thing is uh, what do you call it? Um, turn around to fight just uh, Bashar al-Assad, you know, who the fuck is Bashar al-Assad, you know? And there's this narrative pointed out that, you know, this is a holy war and, you know, this is like the end of days war. You know, we have to take down Bashar al-Assad. Who the fuck is Bashar al-Assad, you know? But even if you take down Bashar al-Assad, he's not even the, what do you call the biggest guy in, in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia and, uh, you know, Turkey and other stuff like that. So, yeah, or even, uh, you know, that means you still have to handle with Syria. So who the fuck is Bashar al-Assad, you know? He's not the biggest oppressor of Muslims. He's, he's not the only dictator in the Middle East. That's number two. And, uh, you know, he's not the Antichrist. So who the fuck is he? So for, for them to do that. And, uh, you know, and you see this. Or even Kashmir, you know, Kashmir has been occupied by India for many years. Even Palestine, you know. Why, why isn't this kind of stuff happening? Why isn't there, a, like, you know, an organized effort to to send in, you know, Mujahideen and stuff like that? So when I, I say this because I want to tell people, you know, this terrorism stuff. And this is jihad stuff. It's not some organic Muslim stuff, you know. There's a certain push for it. You know, there's an intelligence agency because, you know, weapons and like all those sophisticated weapons, you know, whether it's man pads, uh, ATGMs, um, and etc. Don't uh, materialize just because you pray like you know five times a day. You know, those those things come from uh, sophisticated countries, sophisticated governments, and are given to you for a certain reason. You know this uh, so to say that you know, oh, the jihad happens because of islam is that is wrong because that's that's what i wanted to tell people right now because 
you have to look at the politics of it, not just because, oh, because if people read a book and, uh, you know, like there's logistics to warfare. There's logistics to uh, like all this kind of stuff. And there's a reason why these things happening and, and people that push it, you know. So, you know, as I say, like, why don't you see this kind of stuff happening in Myanmar and Kashmir and uh, in Palestine, you know, that kind of stuff. So um, that's what I want to say. All right. Even, so, yeah, even no, no. In, uh, even in 1980s, when the Mujahideen were fighting in, uh, in in Afghanistan, you know, like all over the world, you know, and uh, you know, what do you call my uh, my cousin? You know, he's older, much older than me, and he used to remember back in the 80s. You know, he was in Yemen, and they were uh, calling people in the prayer times, you know, to go fight into Afghanistan. But at the same time that was going on, there was another war too, where a foreign army invaded another Muslim country, which was Israel invaded Lebanon. And they did uh, with the Christian militias, and they did the Sabra and Shitila massacre, which was uh, pretty horrific. Which is basically it was uh, mostly women and children that took a Palestinian camp, and they butchered them with axes and stuff like that with blunt weapons. I so never heard happened, of this, but that's because yeah. I'm a Israeli Zionist. So what, <laughs> what what do I know of this propaganda you speak of of us destroying Lebanon villages? Uh, but give me the education. What's the incident? Yeah, so it's called uh, Sabra and Shitila. It happened in the 80s when Israel invaded Lebanon. And uh, this was in Beirut. This was a Palestinian refugee camp. So, and uh, this was after the, the PLO was kicked out of uh, Lebanon uh, because, uh, you know, the, they were getting the ass kicked. And, you know, they, had, they made an agreement for Yasser Arafat and a lot of them to move to Tunisia. And a lot of the fighters went left. So, in this refugee camp, there was only mostly women and children. So, and uh, the. Um, well, the Israeli army overlooked the uh, Christian militias, Lebanese Christian militias. I think they were called uh, Falangists. I don't know what they were called, actually. Kataib, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, they went in there and they basically butchered the people. You know, like these were women and so children. It wasn't, it wasn't the Israelis. It was the Lebanese Christian militia. Yeah. I'm okay with yeah. that. You can speak out against the Lebanese Christian militia on my show. <laughs> <laughs> I have no affinity to them. <laughs> okay, cool. So, yeah, so they went in there and butchered. But well, my point is, though, when that was happening, uh, you know, there was no what you call it, a jihad effort, a concerted effort to for the you know, side Arabia and them giving weapons for people to protect those people, you know, for the jihad right. to that. The, you know, but only Iran came in there and to, to support Hezbollah. And that's when, you know, they, they turned the tide of the war. So uh, that's what I want to point out. So, um, yeah. Hey, listen, I, I mean, I, I, we're not going to conclude yet, but just to sum up everything we've said thus far, we're going to take mm -hmm. a stand, a firm stance against the Lebanese Christian militia. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, sure. so let's turn it over. I, I got two more questions for you. Uh, first is, I, I know that I, um, on your YouTube channel, you did about a 20-minute video kind of showcasing uh, why it was obvious that, you know, Putin was going to kind of go into, how Putin was kind of pushed into and you weren't apologizing for what he was doing, but you were just saying, here's some of the context of why Putin had to go into Ukraine. Um, yes. Before I let you go, we're, I'm going to hit you with two more questions, but is there any information you wanted to give to our listeners specific to the current situation in Ukraine? Any inside scoop that you have that they might not be aware of? Okay, yeah. So uh, this is what happened. You know, after the Cold War ended, that uh, the Soviet Union gave back independence to those countries. You know, a lot of the... Uh, what do you call former Warsaw Pact, you know, Poland, Ukraine, uh, many of them. And uh, and it was bankrupt and it was crumbling. So everybody was OK with it. So when Putin came in, he became more assertive. You know, he became more assertive, try to, uh, you know, push the all Russian weight uh, in the world. But America was not having it. So we have we have four places. Let's check. All right. So 
uh, in Mali, you know Mali, right? In Africa. All right. So in uh, in Mali, like that was a French, uh, what do you call it? It was a former French colony, and uh, was a they had a military alliance with uh, with France, but Russia came in and it made a better deal with Mali. So France was kicked out of Mali. When that happened, they sanctioned the hell out of Mali. They said they, they what do you call it? They prohibited flights from Mali and stuff like that. So Russia in the world stage is challenging uh, Western hegemony, like the Soviet Russia, like the Soviet Union was doing back in the day. So this is where the problem is. It's not about the Ukrainian people. It's not about uh, you know anything else. This is about like you know they're pissed off that Russia, again, with Putin is uh, challenging their hegemony. So one is Mali. The other one is a CAR, like a Central African Republic. Again, it's challenging France over there, and it has troops in, in CAR. And uh, yeah, the other biggest thing is Syria. Without Putin, like Bashar al-Assad would have fall, and that's what the American government wanted. And they, they spent a lot of money in it. They spent a lot of money. They spent a lot of logistics. They spent a lot of, uh, what do you call, weapons, uh, tears and stuff like that. They wanted Bashar al-Assad to go on. Which, uh, just to kind of speak proof to that, it makes sense that we're circling back to this now with Biden and the administration and why Russia and Syria was kind of shelled for Trump, because I don't think he was as invested in this. Like the people that you're talking about who kind of have like it's almost like a sunk cost fallacy of this investment in Syria that Russia threw off. And now that you got like, you know, uh, I'm going to say a traditional politician of the democratic party back in power you know someone from the obama administration so he'd be a little bit more invested into this storyline than you know trump who came out of nowhere with a kind of a populist american you know outlook and policy yes yes but like at the end of the day the people that you know the run the intelligence agencies are the same you know like yeah this is even beyond the president but uh so that's what and last thing even afghanistan as well like you know, we left afghanistan because of the threat to russia did as well because uh, they were threatening to what do you call it, to fund uh, the taliban like and uh, did to us like we did to them in the, in the 1980s you know which bogged us down in war so all these four things you know pissed off the american government because you know russia is like you know it's not supposed to be around pushing its weights anymore you know it's like you know it's not the soviet union so who the fuck does he think it is you know so that's why when, you know, so it uh, gave us a little bit of a bitch slap here and there, especially with Syria, you know, it gave us a little a big bitch slap. So, uh, but we got it though with, uh, with Ukraine. So we got to bite the balls, which is like, you know, that is its neighbor. That is what we call it, like, um, you know, these were the, like, uh, what do you call it? The Russians and the Ukrainians all came from Kiev, originality. So, so this was our biggest trump card. And we, you know, this is what, this is what it is. It's about us getting one over the Russians. And this is and uh, making sure that, you know, they don't challenge our hegemony again in the world and, you know, try to like, you know, thwart our efforts, like, you know, overthrowing Bashar al-Assad. Uh, yeah. So we're, tra- so so in other words, we're, we're, tr- we're trying to get back at Putin and put him into place and go, hey, you're getting a little bit too testy here. And so to do that, what we've kind of forced him into a war with Ukraine and now we're going to fund Ukraine to bleed him dry. And yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, like you know, even Hillary Clinton went on TV. I think it was on Fox News. Like, oh, remember the time when, like, you know, uh, when uh, Soviet Union invaded you know, Afghanistan, uh, and uh, we funded people, and then you know, they, you know. So we're trying to recreate that in Ukraine. We're trying to recreate what we did to uh, the Soviet Empire uh, in, Afghanistan. in Afghanistan. So we're we're trying to recreate that. Force them into Ukraine. Force them into a into a ongoing war fund Ukraine enough that neither side ever wins, but both kind of, civilians in Ukraine die. 
uh, and, you know, uh, Putin starts losing some political capital because he has to keep, you know, taking people out of the country and sending them to fight in Ukraine and there's deaths and all that other stuff. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, the Ukrainian people are just basically a pawn, a cannon fodder to fight against uh, Russia, which is the sad part, because I know a lot of uh, I've traveled a little bit and I know a lot of Ukrainians and I know, you know, that they have suffered, you know, through poverty after the end of the Cold War. And, uh, you know, a lot of the women were sold as prostitutes. Uh, even when I was in the Thai prison, there was actually in the woman's side, there was a Ukrainian uh, prostitute and like she didn't want to go back home because I don't know, like, you know, uh, there was some bad man waiting for her. So, you know, and, uh, you know, I understand, you know, what they're, that they have pain and they want to, you know, be like other European countries, you know, who doesn't want to be like, you know, the, you know you, everybody like you know, wants to be like, you know, either like Belgium or, uh, you know, or Netherlands and uh, Czech Republic and et cetera, you know, which is much more um, what do you call it um, have more much more rule of law and uh what do you call it more stability more money you know all that kind of stuff and they want to be like that you know and that's what they want to be and uh, i i yeah i admit like a lot of you what do you call it uh, ukrainians want to be like that but for that to happen why can just like you know give them money funding you know help them out like that kind of stuff not just push them into a war with russia you know so, uh, like, you know, they, they, what they wanted and what the United States wanted, you know, they just wanted to join, you know, the, what they call the EU to, like, you know, to have a better life for themselves and their children, which I can understand. But America turned it around and said, oh, you know, for, uh, for us, to, for you to join, you have to fight Russia. I mean, well, you don't have to join NATO, like, I mean, <laughs> to, to have a better life for your family and stuff like that. You know, so, yeah, so it's disgusting what they did to, you know, what people need, you know, uh, all right. So I'm going to hit you with one last question. I know, uh, you know, we, we I don't know what time zone you're in, but we were going back and forth a little bit on trying to schedule. And you said this is too important. I, I don't want to miss my opportunity to be on Run Your Mouth. I'll take off my day's work. I got to get this information out there. So before I let you go, I want to make sure you had the opportunity to uh, convey whatever it is you thought that everyone needed to hear. Was there any was there anything else that you were hoping to inform us about or you think we covered it? No, uh, I guess uh, we can talk all day, man. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, one other thing I want to talk about. Yeah, this is like, so what I tell people, this is not about, uh, don't get like swept up into this uh, emotional about against uh, anti-Russian sentiment or, uh, you know, because this is not a people's war. This is not a war for democracy. This is not a war for that. This is the elites. They're trying war. to bitch slap each other. Yeah. So these are, yeah. So this is the, what it is. And uh, even you see this, like, uh, the egos on these people, man, um, because I was just going back to history uh, on YouTube. And uh, one of it was uh, in the, you know, in the Kosovo war between, uh, what do you call it, between Milosevic, you know, Kosovo, right? Sure. Yeah. And when we went in there, like, we almost got into war with Russia because they had a, they had a peacekeeping force in, a, <laughs> in an airport, Pristina, right? Right. And our, uh, yeah, and our peacekeeping force were not even American, were English was with uh, General Mike Jackson. But his superior commander, though, was General Wesley Clark. Uh, I don't know if you know him, General Wesley Clark. Uh, he yeah, he was the one that, that uh, spoke out like uh, and said, hey, they're trying to basically take over the whole, the U.S. is trying to topple all the Middle Eleven East, right? Something, yeah. 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 So, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So his boss was Wesley Clark, and he was like, he was telling Mike Jackson, hey, look, you know, uh, you know, the Russians have an airport and like a lot of uh, reinforcements are coming to the airport. 
and uh, you know block the airways with the tanks i was like what the fuck are you doing man like i mean we're peacekeeping forces and they're peacekeeping forces why do you want why are you so afraid of uh, what do you call it you know russian forces coming in so it, like this shows the ego you know if you wanted to start world war three because you know, this is after the russian empire collapsed and you wanted like you know go at it with the russians because of a stupid airport man I mean, who gives a fuck <laughs> so the Mac Jackson refused him. He's like he refused his order. Like I'm not going to start World War Three because of uh, you know of uh, you know of uh, of your problems, you know. And he refused to do what he was told. So finally, Wesley Clark. I mean, uh, I don't know through some diplomatic channels, he told Bulgaria and other countries around it not to that Russia the, that Russian airplane that was bringing in Russian troops uh, to to the Pristina airport to to not let them uh, you know uh, take their airspace. So this sort of shows the kind of ego these people have, you know, over an airport, they wanted to go at it, you know, uh, generals and people in power, you know, the, that's what it is. And I hope again that people in, uh, in Western Europe uh, can have a, what do you call it, their mind straight and, you know, somebody will deviate from that kind of stuff like, like, like General Mike Jackson did, you know, because hey, look, I understand, you know, you have your power or disagreements with uh, with Putin, but I'm not going to start World War Three just because, you know, you want to, uh, you know, get the upper hand over Putin, you know, uh, uh, Mr. America, you know. So I hope as well, like, you know, some people in Europe, you know, uh, have that kind of brain because most people don't, though. I mean, I don't know, like everybody's like, yeah, we know, fuck Putin, yeah, let's go to war. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, <laughs> you know what this means? Uh, like uh, people are like, you know, getting ready to go World War Three. Uh, all I've seen is uh, one former politician from Greece and uh, even the admiral, actually, uh, from Germany. He said Putin deserves, he didn't say, like, you know, well, we should give everything to Putin. He says Putin deserves respect. And we should, uh, we should uh, realize that uh, Crimea is not coming back to Ukraine again. He said those things, he got fired. So this is how crazy it is. You know, you either toe the line, you know, you're either like uh, anti Putin, anti Russian, you know, we're going to do this, or you get kicked out. So, I hope again that you know because friendship is friendship, but uh, you know we, uh, us in Europe. But you know they should also realize that at the end of the day, you know if your friend is going to drive off a cliff, we shouldn't go with him as well. You know, so this is what it looks like America is trying to do, like you know because uh, you know our power struggle and our ego against uh, Russia that we are trying to destroy the whole world with us. You know, like again you see this thing like you know Pakistan. Oh, why don't you uh, you know to other countries? Now Pakistan, you have to you have to uh, what do you call it? you have to um, what do you say? You have to go against Putin. You have to say Putin is bad, you know, or else, uh, I mean, why do, you, why do you force other countries? Like, look, your problem is with Putin, man. What would have to get involved in this? India, too. They involve, try to involve India. China, you have to say this as well. And this is ridiculous, man. <laughs> so um, that's what I want to say. And last thing that, um, yeah, NATO is not a good force. People say, oh, NATO. No, look, since the end of the Cold War, NATO almost went to 20 countries. USA and NATO uh, together have been to almost 20 countries. Right now, I can name like you know, several African countries. Um, okay, Mali, Chad, Libya, uh, Niger, uh, where else? Angola, uh, Somalia. All these countries, you know, NATO has forces troops in them, you know, and we don't even talk about this on uh, in the media. And, uh, you know, we don't call it an invasion, we don't call it an invasion, but they say they say what they're doing there for peacekeeping forces. Okay, we, we give it as that. So, uh, and not only that, all these expansionist forces have brought in like over 2 million refugees into Europe. You know, uh, it, this was even before like you know, the Ukrainian situation, you know, because of all our, uh, what do you call foreign meddling from Syria, from all over the world. Over 2 million refugees came into Europe. 
So is NATO benefiting Euro Europeans or is it fucking them over? Because, you know, it's like, you know, because America is benefiting from these wars. Okay. But, and the, the, the elites in Europe as well, but is Europeans like, you know, benefiting from this, you know, because all they had is like 2 million refugees, you know, because there's still poverty going on in Greece. There's still poverty going on in Spain. How is it, you know, uh, NATO, is, is Russia going to uh, invade Greece right now or a, even Poland? No. And some people talk stupid shit. Like, you know, if, uh, if, if Ukraine falls, tomorrow is Poland. And after that, it's going <laughs> to... He's going to go all the way to Britain. I don't know, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, you know, look what NATO has done. You know, just like, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it has benefited the American empire. It's benefited like the elites, but it's really fucked over the Europeans. And uh, all right. I realize that. So to recap, NATO's no good. Uh, Putin's doing what he has to. And so if people want to join ISIS, how do they get in touch with you? <laughs> I've never been ISIS. I'm, I'm, never, kidding. That's I'm kidding. Anyway, <laughs> one last thing as well that um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, NATO has a what do you call it? His origin is pretty fucking uh, fucked up as well. But it was originally what he called set up. Uh, his first chairman is actually uh, Nazis, not neo Nazis, actual Nazis. What? Hans NATO? Spiedel. Yeah, his first chairmen were Hans Spiedel, which was uh, if you look at the history of NATO, Hans Spiedel, which is a former SS guy, and. Right. Uh, Adolf Heisinger, which was a Wehrmacht commander as well. And not only that, that NATO... You it's amazing that after World War II, anyone named Adolf could get a job anywhere. You would just <laughs> yeah. think people would be like, I'm sorry. Like HR would be like, listen, you got a good resume. I like the work you've done, but your name's Adolf. And it's just, uh, it's not the look we're going for. Yeah. So not only that, they had a secret neo-Nazi army called uh, Operation, Operation Gladio that assassinated leftists, assassinated politicians. I mean, you can check it out. I mean, this is a whole nother rabbit hole, but you know, All right. that assassinated people that uh, that went against, like, you know, that, that tried to go against the American uh, way. Like, you know, try to, like, you know, you may be, you know, maybe getting too close to uh, to the Soviet Union or that kind of stuff. And it also did a coup d'etat in Greece and uh, took out, uh, and like, as you can see, Cyprus invaded, uh, what do you call it? Turkey invaded Cyprus as well. So it did, it did a lot of nefarious stuff to Europeans inside its own European people to make sure what, what's that... What's the name of this organization again? Operation Gladio. Operation Gladio. All right. Yeah. I have let's, some uh, videos. Yeah. I have some let, videos on my channel. Yeah. Let's call it there. Operation Gladio. I feel like that's an interesting cliffhanger uh, to leave it on. Uh, Assad, why don't you plug your channels once again so people can... Uh, can find more information and go down the ISIS rabbit hole. I'm not ISIS, Jesus Christ. That's the rules. Anyway, like uh, the American government used. Anyway, you know, rebels, renegades, and revolutionaries. And yeah, that's my channel. It's uh, starting up. And uh, yeah, that's it. And, it's, and, and you're approaching history from an interesting angle. Uh, you're showcasing uh, kind of... Well, firstly, it sounds like you actually have a pretty good handle on... Uh, some of these events in history um, and, and some of the uh, some of the characters and it's from an alternative perspective. So there's definitely education to be had there. Yeah. And yeah, I was about to know this is like not uh, interviewing, but what? Uh, yeah, man. I saw your, your show on Dave Smith, man. Like it's pretty good. And uh, part of the problem. Oh, well, what do you mean by part of the problem? No, no, that's the name of the show. Part of the problem. Proud of the problem. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know the name of the show, but yeah, I, I'm subscribed to it. It always comes up on my feed. And uh, yeah, man, like uh, it's been nice talking to you. And uh, you know, even if Dave wants to talk as well, like I'm uh, more than welcome, man, because I really wanted to talk to him because you know, he sounds like he has some interesting stuff. Yeah. yeah, well, him and Scott have the best uh, handle on this stuff. I uh, I sit there, I nod. I'm a little bit more of an expert on the uh, 
on the U.S. stuff. Uh, but this was uh, this was fascinating. So thank you for all the perspective. And once again, everyone should go check out your channel, which uh, plug it once more. It was Renegades. Rebels, Renegades, and Revolutionaries. Which I'll, uh, I'll link into the episode description so that people can check it out. Uh, hey, man, thank you. This was a lot of fun. And uh, we'll do it again down the line. Yeah, thank you, man. Have a nice day. All right, Peace. later.